Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. We will have uh, a little talk with Zazen, but take a moment to stretch. There are um, many powerful teachings in Master Dogen's way, Mahayana Buddhism and Zen. And what we're going to discuss today, I think, is one of the most powerful of powerful, but also often misunderstood, even overlooked. And I hope when this talk is at its end today, you might realize what a a powerful, shall we say, uh, tool on the Buddhist tool belt, this is. Um, You know, this life is filled with many difficult times and many beautiful times too. We might, uh, like Danny, who's just coming here, we may have a car that looks like it's at its last days and suddenly we don't have transportation. Or it could be something bigger um, we have uh, folks who are truly brokenhearted about what's happening in this world, whether it's war or poverty or illness or inequality, seeming callousness sometimes of our institutions in dealing with those things when the political system and the social system goes in ways that we cannot understand, um, it breaks our hearts. And also in our lives, many people have had difficulties this week, some very serious. Uh, Koshi is here today and we dedicate to today. Koshi lost his grandma uh, this past month. We're dedicating today to her. We've had other folks who have suffered loss. Sometimes we have moments of gain and beauty, but sometimes there are moments of such sadness. And I wish I knew the secret to take all that away and to have a world where grandmas never die and uh, there's perfect justice, never a war. Boy, I wish I had the answer to that. And if you came here looking for that, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And what's more, um, the Buddha didn't have an answer for that. Neither did Dogen. Dogen's day, the Buddha's day in old India. You talk about uh, 
societies that were unequal and new war, new disease and fire and flood and you name it. The Buddha didn't have an answer for that. He never made that go away. Neither did Dogen. Except the Buddha did find an answer for all that. And while I can't describe it as a way to make it all go away, I can describe it as a way to know it and experience it and see it all and live it in a radically new perspective or wholeness, feeling, insight, that it's not the same as it was before. It's still there. But it's not. Now I've thought of um, some analogies to use today, but I'm going to say it's like a, a disease that we found a, a medicine for that's not a cure and not just a treatment, but somehow lets us live with this and know it and know life and get on with life in a new way. Like uh, that drug they found for AIDS, you know, people were dying and they're still dying, but somehow now they can live with this. It's not a death sentence, something like that. That is a powerful medicine. And what I'm going to tell you today is one of our most powerful medicines and so misunderstood. I think people only get sometimes two thirds of the message of Zen and Master Dogen. So what is it today that we're going to discuss? It's about the whole E, the Dharma position of all things and all moments. Now, uh, I'm going to um, quote from myself, just because I wrote this down yesterday, and I want to see what I said. Dogen, you know, was uh, came from the Tendai sect of Buddhism, which came from China originally. And then he became a Zen priest. But even though a lot of Zen folks want to say he kind of rejected Tendai, anything, it, it's just not true. He, he was a Tendai priest influenced by the Lotus Sutra, which is cherished in the Tendai. And many of Dogen's teachings that we consider to be very original actually were his kind of take, sometimes not very original at all, on Japanese Tendai teachings. This is one example today. And it's often cited as Dogen said this, but it's really from his Tendai years. Because it's a true and profound teaching. Why reject something if it works? Dogen was no fool. So Dogen developed the Tendai and Lotus, Lotus Sutra view of the Dharma moment or the Dharma position. I, I say Dharma moment or Dharma position. If it's about a moment of time, this time is just its time. It's a Dharma moment. And if it's a Dharma position, it's all things of the world are in their position, in their place. You see? Now, Dharma here means something like an event or a happening or a phenomenon. You know, Dharma is a word in Buddhism that has actually several, we'll say, very different but complementary meanings. The Buddha's teachings about reality is called, he teaches the Dharma. The Dharma is his teachings. So today I'm talking about the Dharma teachings and reality itself 
the way it functions, a, a, a proper understanding of that is the Dharma. But another use of Dharma means something close to our word phenomenon. Every thing that happens, every happening is a Dharma. Every thing, material thing is a Dharma. You are a Dharma. Every part of you, every hair on your head is a Dharma. Every blade of grass, every mountain is a Dharma. It's a thing, a composite happening, right? A material thing. People and places and events are each Dharmas. And Dogen and the Tendai taught that each of these Dharmas is in its moment or place fully exerting itself as that thing. Now, this is the part that people often misunderstand. And you may actually misunderstand me listening week after week. I just speak about, you know, in Zazen, we encounter that it's not just a world of separate selves and separate things. It's somehow all swept up in this flowing wholeness of it all. So we see you and me and the tree and the rock and the stars and the all, you name it, literally. And it's somehow kind of a dream that is swept away in our vision of this grand wholeness where all things are empty of separate self-existence. Right? So you heard that. So a lot of people think, oh, that's the point of our practice. Our point is just to get there where all the things of the world, especially the unpleasant and sad things, are just known as empty and they're kind of swept away in this grand vision of wholeness. And that's where I tell you, you're missing out if you just stop there. Because that was not Master Dogen's final word, or the Tendai. Or as I'm going to show you, I, the early Buddhist teachings, that was not their final word either. This is completely harmonious with early Buddhist teachings, by the way. What kind of happens is this grand wholeness which we call by many names, emptiness, or I like to say the flowing wholeness. Some people, you know, use that Tao word. Those other guys may call it God. I don't know about that, you know, but it's a word. Or Buddha, Buddha with the big B, not the guy in India. You know, when we use this Buddha, we speak of this Buddha, the big Buddha, wholeness, right? Here's the part. Turns around sweeps back in to all the separate phenomena that don't simply vanish, but are reaffirmed and become the container each and all of the whole thing and each blade of grass and each hair on your head and you and me and the happy moments and the sad moments are reaffirmed as sacred and as real as real could be, they're all Buddha. And they're all the whole thing. It's not to just sweep them away, though we do that. They don't just vanish, but we realize our broken car and our grandmother's passing and the happy moments and the sad are somehow 
reaffirmed. And it's part of it all. So just to continue here, the things and events of this world and our life from the stars to the smallest blade of grass or atom, all the changes and happenings of our life are each a Dharma moment in its own Dharma position into which all space and time and Buddha pours and comes to life as that thing or moment. In other words, Buddha is coming to life. The world is coming to life as to all these sad and happy things, all these moments of birth and death. Every blade of grass is the whole thing coming to life. Don't push it away so easily. Just see it as a new thing in a new way. The result is that Together with the usual Mahayana Buddhist teachings that all the separate selves and things and happenings of this world are like dreams that are swept away in a vision of emptiness and separate selfness. Together with that vision that all the separate things are swept away in this vision of emptiness. Together with this, we have this complementary vision and experience that the whole of reality is reaffirmed and blossoming as each self and thing and moment and each self and thing and moment is thus each and all made somehow sacred. I use that not in some mumbo jumbo way, but it's just a jewel, a treasure. It is the universe. It is life. Each is made Sacred, each thing or moment is now known as boundless and complete, as real as real can be, encountered as just the whole of this life and world happening. It's a happening. It's the whole world and this life happening. Each timeless, yet just this moment of its happening. Every second somehow contains all time and something timeless, but it, that's, that second is perfectly exerting itself, perfectly seconding in that second. Even your broken car is perfectly exerting itself as being a broken car. Each is Buddha, and each is a shining jewel in its way that fully contains and embodies the whole thing. The whole catastrophe, I think Zorba the Greek, that's from Zorba the Greek, the whole catastrophe. Each thing is the whole catastrophe that is our world. In other words, you have had some happenings in this world, some ups and downs, welcome or unwelcome, happy or sad this week. And it was the same in Buddha's time or Dogen's time. But each happening, each up, each down, each welcome, each unwelcome, each happy or sad or in between, each is Buddha, each is whole, each is sacred. Boy, we often miss that. Now, saying that too, though, we can think that the point is, uh, and this can be misused to say, oh, think since everything's sacred and whole and just exerting itself as it is, that's okay then, just leave it be. Don't have to do that either. You got a broken car? I understand you're looking for a new one. Yeah? 
there's a sickness. We can do our best to find a cure. There's a war. That war is perfectly exerting itself as a Dharma moment. But let's replace it maybe with another Dharma moment that's perfectly exerting itself as peace. Got how this works? Oh, you're ill right now? That's the universe perfectly exerting itself as illness. Sorry, this is a world sometimes where we get sick. It's the universe sometimes has to grow old and get sick. Sorry, otherwise it would be a frozen dead place. This is a place that's, that's changing and moving and fertile. So sometimes we get sick. So your, your illness is perfectly exerting itself as the whole world coming together, but you can still try to replace it with another Dharma moment where you're not sick and you take your medicine. You see, none of this stops us from living in this world and trying to make it better. So although each problem in this world can be honored and bound to as a sacred jewel, whole and complete, just as it is, even if it's messed up, man. That does not stop us in any way from getting busy to fix the problems that we can. Stopping the wars, fighting the diseases, ending poverty, etc., etc., etc. I'll just add that, and while we probably won't be able ever to fix this world perfectly, we can make it a lot better. We bow to each, honor each, see each as the whole world happening, then get big busy to fix what we can. Okay? Now, Dharma position is mentioned in the Lotus Sutra. The Dharmas, the phenomena, all things, dwell in their Dharma position. And I put up a calligraphy. Uh, of a uh, 19th century Zen master, beautiful, who very powerfully uh, captured that phrase. It's an important teaching of Japanese Tendai. A Japanese Tendai scholar describes, as, describes it as meaning that the particular spatial temporal events, I love that word, spatial temporal events, that constitute a given moment are seen as the total manifestation of non-dual reality. Cool, man. Every spatial temporal event is the total manifestation itself of non-dual reality. A famous Tendai teaching states the defilements and samsara. That means the anger and hate and this messed up world of birth and death and bodhi, wisdom and nirvana all abide in their inherent dharma position. Angry moments, greedy moments, violent moments, jealous moments are perfectly exerting, the, exerting themselves in their Dharma position. So are moments of charity and goodness and peace. So what does that mean? Now, some people may understand this to mean, oh, since it's all just the world exerting itself, it's okay. Hate is perfectly Buddha hate. Really, that's what we're saying. If it's all Buddha, this is a moment of perfectly exerting Buddha hate. So just leave it and go hate. No, that's not the message. Every moment of this, con of this conflicted, complex life is perfectly exerting itself, both the beautiful and the ugly. 
but our work as Buddhists is to replace the ugly Buddha position, uh, uh, Dharma positions with good and peaceful Dharma positions. Some people might take it as an excuse to say, oh, it doesn't matter. Everything's perfectly exerting itself as it is. I might as well be greedy. I might as well do violence. I might as well be jealous and hate because it's just the whole universe being jealous and hating in that moment, in that Dharma position, in that Dharma moment. No, that's not our work as Buddhists. Our work as Buddhists is to bring the Bodhi, the wisdom, and the Nirvana, and the peace, and the goodness to this world. And yet, and yet, we go and we see the war, and we see the violence, and we see the jealousy, and we see the political system that seems like it's falling apart, and all of it, and the suffering children, and we bow. I thought of a couple of analogies to try to describe this in modern terms. So here it is, a little bit, okay? So let's say you're watching theater or a movie, and you don't realize it's theater or a movie. You're a character, you're not only the viewer, you're kind of a character in this, this play, okay? This is most of our experience of being in this world. We think that what's going on and what we think is somehow the world and real, okay? And it is, you know, this is our life, right? On this, this, this thing we're watching here, which has moments of comedy and moments of tragedy and moments where the lead character gets run through with a sword and you know, like Shakespeare, you know. And suddenly we have this Buddhist teaching that teaches that, oh, this is something like a dream. When you see the stage, the whole stage in theater of the wholeness of it all, right? And suddenly we realize, oh yeah, we're living this life, but it has a dreamlike quality to it too. There's something else to see. You're watching the movie. You know, I told you when I was a kid, I used to watch these horrible movies, you know, these scary movies, monster movies. And my dad told me, just remember it's a movie. Because I used to get like really terrified, you know, Dracula. Or you got my least favorite, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, my God. You know, and I, and I, I, I still, to this day, sometimes, I did this last night. I was watching this wonderful science fiction movie. And at one point, I kind of squinted at the screen and looked half away because I knew something was going to jump out. Okay, I'm the big Zen guy, and I'm, I'm 62 years old in a couple of weeks, right? And I'm squinting going, okay, it's just a movie. I know it's going to jump out, right? So this is our Buddhist teaching where we see something more. I'm dad and I'm telling you, see this world, there's something more. See the whole theater. Okay? So then you might think, oh, then what we're supposed to do is turn off the projector and clear the stage. Mm, I'm sorry, empty theater and a blank screen is what you end up with. Okay? So then you might think, oh, okay, if we practice Buddhism long enough, we're going to come to a world where there's no violence on the stage, and nobody gets run through with a sword, right? And my car never breaks down. And grandma never leaves this world. Sorry. Sorry. What I'm trying to tell you here today is you kind of recognize it as theater and let the show go on. But try to make it a nicer show. 
because people are really getting hurt out there or feeling they're getting hurt. The little kids really are suffering. There are diseases and wars we can stop or kill, uh, stop or bring peace. Okay? Make it a better show, but honor it as a show. Honor it. The point of this practice is not to stop the show and not to only make it a comedy. It's, it's a wonderful, epic drama going on here, folks. And while we wish to reduce the needless violence, I still do not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I think we could do without that, frankly. Okay? And I would like to see a world where we didn't make Schindler's List because it wasn't necessary. And we didn't have to have Saving Private Ryan because we don't have any more wars. I would like to see a world a little bit more when Harry met Sally. You know? You know what I mean? A little bit more. A nice world. Toy Story. You know, I like... Okay, I'm not saying you only have to do that. We still need some drama, okay, in this world. Love Story, remember that? Where do I begin to... With Remember, so you guys are too young. You don't remember Love Story. I don't want to give a spoiler at the end, but the lead character... Okay, spoiler, you, you come to my Dharma talks, spoiler alert, the lead character dies at the end, okay? I think we're not meant to be here forever. We come and we go, because what kind of world would it be if you stuck around forever? There would be no change, okay? So it's going to be a world where maybe we extend it a bit, you know, I'd like to live to 150, frankly. I think it would be good, but, but okay, then it's going to get boring. I've seen all the Star Treks a thousand times, you know. Yeah, I, I've done it. You know, I've done it. Where, what can you do? So then time to check out. Fine. Let it happen. Recognize it as a Dharma moment. But we can reduce things. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, we can make it a better show, but let the show go on. It's a little bit like my other analogy was, let's say you're playing Monopoly. You know that game, Monopoly, right? First, we're in it. We don't realize it's a game. We really think that, hey, this is our career and our thing. We got to make money. We know this. I got to get Park Place and, right? Not Marvin Avenue, but this is a terrible Monopoly where people are actually abusing other players and there's violence and... Sometimes Park Place invades Marvin Gardens and just, this is our messy world, okay? Suddenly the Buddhist guy comes and says, hey, would you please re recognize this is a game. The universe is playing a game, like a game. We call it life. This, this Look at this incredible universe is just the most incredible game ever. Somehow. And it's got pieces, boy. All the little pieces. Little shoes and, you know, the top hat, you know, you know the, the places, okay? And sometimes you go to jail, I guess, you know. But um, so then you hear, oh, it's all a game. Let's stop playing. And you try to wipe all the pieces off the board. That was not my message. The message is keep playing even as you recognize what a beautiful game it is. Even though you're going to lose. Sometimes you may win sometimes you may get a hotel and sometimes you may go bankrupt. Okay. But that's the game folks, even though boy, it hurts sometimes because it doesn't seem like a game. 
but it is. And the Dharma position means that Marvin Gardens, is that the bad one at the beginning? There's a, I forget the cheap ones, the ones you don't want. Right. Marvin Gardens is in its sacred position and Park Place is in its sacred Dharma position. And the little shoe is a sacred Dharma shoe. And the top hat is a sacred Dharma top hat. And even the jail is in its sacred Dharma place. And we bow to that, bow to the whole board. Jail, right? Yet, the Buddha said, the Buddha gave us a keep out of jail, go free card. We bow to the jail, we just try not to go there. We try to do the best we can in the game and make it a nice game. We want a game where the players stop punching and invite and, and doing cruel things to each other and live on together nicely. So we're trying to make it as good a game as we can, yet we bow to the whole thing, even the parts we don't like. You got it? This is how we live. We know it's just a game, yet it's our game, and it's reaffirmed as the Buddha's game, as real as real can be. Honor it all, even the parts we don't like, and try to make it, you know, a nice place. It's not rocket science, guys. Okay, so where are we here? So uh, this is where Dogen, for example, was saying that uh, even our dream, the dream we live in, the falsehoods, are as real as real can be in this way. Now, usually we speak about flowers in the sky, which actually probably meant the flowers you see in your eyes if you have cataracts. They're, it's supposed to be a, a dream, a delusion. And a lot of times in, in um, Buddhism, we're taught that all these things we see are as unreal as flowers in the sky. It's a mirage, a mirage. Dogen and the Tendai folks would go, so yeah, it's a mirage. It's your real mirage. Each mirage is the Buddha mirage. Let it mirage like that. So Dogen would say, those who misunderstand the Buddha's message say the sky originally has no flowers. They only want the clear sky. How pitiful that such types know nothing of the occasion from beginning to end of the sky flower spoken of by the Tathagata, by the Buddha. They do not know that the vessel world, the whole thing, abides in its Dharma position because of the Dharmas, because of each Dharma. There is a whole world because of each thing. These people who misunderstand hold the view only that the dharmas exist, all the separate things exist because of the whole. So they only want the whole. They don't see, they think that the separate things are as unreal as sky flowers. They don't realize that you only have a whole because you have pieces. Now, here's my other analogy for today. Any jigsaw puzzle fans? Frankly, I'm not a jigsaw puzzle fan, but we've all played jigsaw puzzles. Right? So the world is somehow a jigsaw puzzle. We've gone from Monopoly to jigsaw puzzles, also another game, okay? Now in this jigsaw puzzle, sometimes there are scenes of beauty and sometimes scenes of ugliness, okay? And that's what we see. But we gotta also see the whole puzzle. So when you have the whole puzzle, you don't turn it over so you only have you know the cardboard on the back that you don't see anything. 
Nobody plays with well. You can play with that, I guess, but it's kind of you, you play with the picture, right? So the whole puzzle that we see, the wholeness with all the pieces, turns out to be each piece, even the ugly pieces, even the beautiful pieces. You might have a piece of war over here, and a piece of peace, a piece of peace over there, and a piece of birth here, and a piece of death there, and it's all this puzzle. Now, each piece is in its place, huh? You ever put a jigsaw puzzle? You can't put the piece in the wrong place. Each piece is in the piece's place. And who has ever lost one piece from a jigsaw puzzle and it kind of messes up the whole thing? Huh? Here's my lesson on that. It's always under the couch. And you always find it six months later covered in dust balls. I've got like all these, my kids, you know, my kids being kids, we got these jigsaw puzzles around the house and there's always one piece missing. And we look for it, and then six months later, it turns up, it's under the couch. Okay? The whole universe is in this jigsaw puzzle that we may not like it, all the pieces, but each piece is in its place, and you can't leave any pieces out because then it's not the whole puzzle. This is very similar. That being said, let's try to make a jigsaw puzzle with a little nicer picture on it. That's our power, too. It's a, it's a picture we can create and change. But you can't take out pieces and just throw away the ugly pieces like that. So in uh, Mountains and Rivers uh, Sutra, he said something similar. He's talking about mountains and rivers, but he could talk about anything in your life. Uh, when you lost your job, when uh, you burned the toast, when uh, unfortunately you lost your grandma or uh, when the good things happen and you won the lottery, whatever it is, he's talking about mountains and rivers, you can substitute everything. And he said the mountains and rivers of, of the present are the actualization of the word of the ancient Buddhists. These are the, the Buddhist teachings come to life. Each is abiding in its own Dharma position and completely fulfills its own virtues. It realizes completeness. Each is realizing its ultimate virtue. Because they are the, and then he goes on and on. And there's something timeless about all this. This universe, there's something timeless about it. Yet this timeless, this wholeness beyond all the separate moments and pieces is in each piece and is in each moment. A moment when you're crying is in its own Dharma position. A moment when you're smiling is in its own Dharma position. Uh, Joshu Pat Fellin, who's another Soto teacher, had a very nice uh, description of this. I'm going to read it uh, quickly. Dogen taught that each thing, when it is completely and fully what it is, when it attains itself, manifests the absolute. Dogen's understanding of Dharma position is that it respects the uniqueness and individual characteristics of each thing while at the same time recognizing its inherent emptiness, which is the same for everything. Again, sometimes this is referred to, uh, well, I'm going to skip that part. But then she says, everything, the way everything is experienced by Buddha is this. We realize each thing, the whole thing is somehow timeless, and that timeless is each moment of time, that each moment of time, there's the past and the future, but somehow each moment of time contains the whole thing. Like each piece of the jigsaw puzzle 
contains somehow the whole puzzle. You understand? You can, the whole puzzle is each piece. But flip that over. Each piece is the whole thing. What good is a, a one jigsaw puzzle piece? Is there anything more useful in the world than one jigsaw puzzle piece? No, the jigsaw piece, puzzle piece needs and is the whole puzzle. And what's a whole puzzle if it's missing a piece? No, the whole puzzle needs the piece. The piece needs and is the whole puzzle. The whole puzzle needs and is each individual piece. And there's something timeless, boundless about it. Kazta Anahashi says, the Dharma position or state of being itself at each moment carries entire time. I love that expression. He didn't say all time or the whole time. You could say that, but it just is, I don't know, that's not what we usually say. It's, that's just kind of struck me. Carries entire time. Entire time. Entire time. Entire time. Sad moment, entire time. Happy moment, entire time. In between moment, entire time. The puzzle piece carries the entire puzzle. The entire puzzle carries each piece. Even though when we look at that piece, we go, that's an ugly scene. Don't like that scene. That's a scene of violence. Agreed. But it carries the whole puzzle. Let's make uh, nicer pieces, maybe, but each piece carries the whole puzzle. So why is this useful? Why am I wasting your time with this? Well, I have found it useful many times. First off, when something bad happens to me, my first reaction, like, uh, you know, like my wife likes to say, boy, if your students could see you now, they would think, boy, you talk a good game, but you're, boy, don't you just look like a pissed off guy? It's true. I stubbed my toe. I cursed the couch. And then usually the missing jigsaw piece just pops out from underneath. But okay. Uh, something goes wrong in my work. I get angry. That guy, what does he do? He promised me he was going to do it. He broke his promise, right? I don't like people who break their promises. Or some guy on the internet uh, said some racist thing to me yesterday. And I got started to get angry at him. Racist. You know, that guy. Or I'm reading, oh, my God, what's going on in Washington? I'm watching these hearings, you know. Uh, you can guess what I feel about, you know, what is going on here? And then the people defending what's going on. The world is going mad. And then we got poor. Yesterday, there were children killed in Odessa where Washington is. What is going on? Okay. I fall into that. Of course, I fall into that. I'm a human. Got a brain here. That's what it does. I'm no saint. However, after years of practice, rather quickly, I can also go to the, oh, it's just the big game view. <laughs> just the big game. Emptiness. It's all the flowing wholeness. There is no life and death, really. There is no coming and going. There is no win and lose. It's all so whole. There's, it's all so whole that there is no losing. I still got a bad car or grandma's still gone, but there is no life and death, right? And sometimes I can go to now tool number three. Oh yeah, it's still painful and ugly, but it's in its Dharma position. 
somehow reaffirmed, somehow brought back to, to life. And I bow to it, even though I don't want it, even though I wish, don't want to bump into the couch or lose grandma or when I was in the hospital sick, um, sometimes I could feel the wholeness of it all. And sometimes I was just miserable being sick and I just felt this Dharma moment, man, this is the universe playing out its game. And right now in the Monopoly game, I drew the card that said, have cancer, be in the hospital and feel like a horse kicked you in the chest. And somehow didn't change my health condition, but it was right because it was the game in that moment. It was reaffirmed. Not just, I didn't say I'm just a dream. I'm dreaming I'm in the hospital. This hospital is the flowing wholeness, it's empty. There is no hospital here. There's no sickness. There's a, it's all a dream. I didn't do that. It all poured in and reaffirmed itself as something moment, something sacred in that moment. So this is what Dogen does at the end here. He, um, he suffered a loss of his dear friend Myozen, and like we're dedicating to Koshi's grandma, he made a dedication to his friend, his late friend Myozen, and he said, an ancient Buddha said, our body received birth from the formless. Somehow from the formless, the wholeness, we came and we have this body. And it's just like conjured imaginary shapes and images. Yeah? And the body and this consciousness is like phantoms that do not really exist. Yeah. And the, our karma that leads to, to punishment, losing, or good fortune is all empty and doesn't really abide anywhere. Yeah. It's all kind of a dream. But then the, the teacher Dogen said, but put aside for now this receiving birth. And what is the meaning of formlessness? Do you want to hear what is the really about receiving birth and what is real formlessness? The dharmas abide in their dharma positions. And the form of this world constantly abides. Even though we say form is emptiness, emptiness is form. This is a principle that only Buddhas together with a Buddha can thoroughly fathom. That's a way that Dogen would say, only Buddhas or you when you're thinking like a Buddha can really get this. Now, before we go, I want to say, I, 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 I promise you this is something consistent with early Buddhism. I'm not going to read this. This is some early sutra teachings. It's a, a wonderful book called In the Buddha's Words, translated by Bhikkhu Bodhi. I highly recommend it if everyone wants a simple introduction to the early suttas. Very well translated, very selected, and I recommend half the book. Why? The second half is a Theravada commentary on the suttas, and I have to say that with all due respect to my Theravada friends, everyone, their own path, I just don't agree with a lot of the translations, the interpretations, they make it very complicated. I like the first half of the book where, as we say too much these days, you do your own research, just read it yourself. It's not that complicated. You see what it says. Sometimes the Buddha's message was surprisingly simple and surprisingly consistent with what we're talking about today. I'm just going to give you one example. I was going to give more, but the Buddha says, don't be attached to things and see, don't 
cling to them and don't think that they're real as real can be. The wise man lets them be, but the Buddha never says, oh, it's just a dream. They're not there. He's still talking about being in a world, just not seeing it as, as solid as we do before. So for example, in one sentence, in, in one section called the vicissitudes of life, when, an inst when a noble disciple, a wise person, comes upon gain or loss, he reflects thus, or she, this gain or loss has come to me, is impermanent, is bound up with suffering and subject to change. And he will reflect the same when loss comes as gain. He understands all these things as they really are, and he does not engross the mind. He's not elated by fame and dejected by disrepute. He's not elated by praise and dejected by blame. He's not elated by pleasure and dejected by pain. Having thus given up his likes and dislikes and knowing equanimity, he's freed from birth, aging, and death. Okay. In other words, he doesn't say it's all going to vanish. He's saying that when you give up and you're in dispassion and equanimity, you see each thing, you let each thing be, it's still there. He doesn't say, oh, sorry, you're going to have no death, you're going to have no loss. He said, you're not going to be as engrossed in it. This, what the teaching I'm giving you today is just a permutation of that, that it's a way to say this life is still this messy life, but you're not going to be as engrossed in it, you're going to honor it and bow to it and realize it's just that peace in that moment. So um, I'm going to leave you with this. About life and death, this is one of Dogen's most famous teachings in Genjo Koan, and it should be clear now. Life or birth is a position in time. Death is also a position in time. This is like winter and spring. We don't think that winter becomes spring, and we don't think that spring becomes summer. And Dogen goes on at other places to say, thus, let winter be winter and summer be summer. Boy, boy, we got some summer now. I kind of like, you know, I like the fall, right? Seems we went a little quickly from winter to this heat, but let summer be summer. Let death be in its dharma position. Let life be in its dharma position. Each is totally exerting is just what it is. I'm going to finish today with a, another description of this by Tygen Dan Layton, a wonderful historian, Zen priest, a friend of mine. Dogen frequently teaches about abiding in or totally exerting. In, in Japanese, the word is gujin. It means totally exerting. And it's actually a word that sounds like it sounds. Everything is gujining, gujining. Everything, everything in this world is totally exerting as itself. That rock is totally rocking. Hey, that's, that's cool. The rock is rocking, right? The sun is totally sunning. Uh, Bion is totally fanning. And, uh, and uh, Shokai is totally sitting there in his wild orange shirt that was wild orange shirting. Everything is just doing its thing, okay? Everything is totally exerting, and it's... To exhaust, Gujin means to exhaust complete, completely with nothing lacking. One's own Dharma position, you, which is totally of the present circumstances, including, I don't know why I wanted to read this, a little complicated, but which is the multiplicity of effects of previous causes and conditions. 
All the thing, all the world is coming together in, in you in this thing, in this moment. Dogen often emphasizes ordinary reality, everyday reality, such as the activities of monastic life as the locus of awakening and the sacred and the importance of not seeking liberation. I remember what I want to read this. I'll make it clear to you. Every moment of life is a Dharma position and all the Dharma positions coming together, Dharma positioning. But your job is to turn the bad Dharma positions into the good ones as best you can. You honor every Dharma position, even the ones we don't like. We get a flat tire, we bow. It's the Dharma position of a flat tire, perfectly Dharma positioning as a flat tire. Bow to the tire then get your jack and change the tire. There's a war in Ukraine and children dying. It's the universe playing its sometimes so ugly game. Bow to it, every piece is in its Dharma position. Unfortunately, that piece, if you look at it closely, it was a bomb exploding and children dying. Your job as a human being, as a bodhisattva is as best you can, let's make that piece that fits in the same spot, a picture of children living in peace. It's all this jigsaw puzzle, man. But your job, my job, all of our jobs, we are the life of this place that can make it a nicer game, a nicer show, a nicer film, whatever you want to use. That's your job, your job, my job. So while you have all this frustrating stuff in the world, please just see it as the game being played and the Dharma position. Don't let it get to you that much, see through it, honor it, bow to it. And let's get to work and make it a little better. Okay. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for joining us for the tree leaf Zendo podcast. Tree leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.